welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Easter Perspective series. So when I found out I was speaking in both services, I rang a, a relative in Scotland and said, could you pray please? I'm speaking in both services this coming Sunday. And suddenly there was a voice in the background coming over the phone that I could just hear, no sports references. As if that was the, that was the actual uh, condition that they would pray. So long as, uh, so I said, I promised that I would try. <laughs> Till about paragraph two. <laughs> Funny thing, Palm Sunday. Give me Good Friday to reflect upon. Jesus crucified for the world. Or Easter Sunday, resurrection. Death defeated, life eternal. But which side of the coin is Palm Sunday on, or is it both? Funny things, crowds. I was talking to someone from this church the other day. He has the wisdom to support a premiership team and has gone to watch. His team scored. He knew no one there, but they went mad. Deafening cheers, hugging each other, hand slaps, a family celebrating together. Enormous buzz, brilliant experience. His team possibly the best in the world. Same for the manager. A week or so later, the crowd just as loud, just as raucous, but the deafening chant says, remove the manager. Funny things, crowds. Palm Sunday is in all four Gospels. It's not just the 12 disciples or even the hundreds who by then were now probably Jesus' followers. It was crowds, many shouting what a few cheerleaders had started, and it caught on. Long live the King. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Crowds going up to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. God's kingdom is about to come. Victory over all his enemies especially then the Roman Empire with its subtle blend of civilization and barbarism and a just and fair rule for everyone. Celebration, jubilation, sheer joy. Could this really be the Messiah? But give it five days and the chant will be something entirely different. Crucify him. The crowds in the UK don't follow Jesus. Plenty use him as a swear word. Some go to church at Christmas or even Easter because it's nice. But most don't seem to give a monkeys about him, either to say yes or no to him. To join a crowd acclaiming him as Lord and King, as we've been this morning, would be ridiculous completely irrelevant, as would be to shout crucify him because he's not real. And our culture follows suits. I love playing league tennis. Monday evenings, the summer league, great. Sunday mornings, the winter league, rats. Jesus comes first. We're not talking persecution here. But Jesus promised his followers it won't always necessarily be that easy. Judas had a choice to make, as did Peter on the way up to Jerusalem 
on Palm Sunday. And so did each member of the crowd, as they did five days later as well. King Jesus, lock, stock, and barrel, or not at all. Funny things, donkeys. There was once a beautiful seaside resort where the sun used to shine when I was a kid. It was only 10 miles from home. And kids like me would go onto the beach at Western Super Mare and, uh, and we'd ride on the donkeys. I felt majestic riding one. Not a war horse, though, a docile creature. In Bible times, if a ruler or monarch came in peace, even someone with supreme power at the head of the procession would be him on a donkey. Majestic, but coming in peace. Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gently and riding on a donkey. The end for the Romans? No, a different sort of king. But we shouldn't go to the other extreme either. Servant king on Palm Sunday doesn't mean gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Confusing? The Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, Ireland, sometimes even the British Empire, but you cannot war Jesus into people's lives. The king on the donkey will one day rule unfettered, gloriously but fairly, God's love and justice, the mark of the kingdom. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Riding on a donkey says Jesus will go in peace to his crucifixion, but that he is king and he will rise again. Thank you, Jesus, for dying the way you did for me. Thank you, Jesus, for rising again, king forever. Death, where is your sting? And I said in the first service this morning, when the average, where the average age was very, very, very slightly older than the average age in here. You know, I said, when I was in my 20s, death, where is your sting? That I was hearing as a Christian in church was fairly meaningless. But in my 70s, it's very, very relevant. Funny customs some countries. In many Near Eastern lands, it was a custom in some way to cover an old-fashioned me did not like all this newspaper all over the floor in church this morning. <laughs> it was untidy. Could I perhaps tidy that bit up? In many Near Eastern countries, it was a custom in some way to cover the path of someone worthy of the highest honor. All four gospel accounts say this is what the crowds did in honor of Jesus. Palm branches, newspaper bits, and garments. In the Greco-Roman world, palm branches were a symbol of triumph and victory. We acclaim you, Jesus, our Lord and King. Garments on the road, those precious things often in practice more important than Jesus the King. Lay them down. 
Again, I said in the first service, I looked round, I thought, not many rich young rulers here, uh, where Jesus said, look, you're going to have to give up your wealth completely in order to follow me. There may be big things even over this Easter time, and there may be fairly small things that we need to lay down in order to follow him. When they used to wear them, the preacher or the minister was sporting a new suit and speaking on Palm Sunday in his new suit. And he felt quite, quite, and then he realized, would he or wouldn't he lay it down? I don't know if there's a, a lead minister in this church, you know, that has considered even wearing a suit. Um, but uh, whatever our particular clothing fashion or whatever, uh, really is very precious to us. It may be that Jesus is saying, in order to follow me, you need to lay this down and come with me. Would he or wouldn't he lay that suit down, he asked himself. Lay them down. King Jesus, lock, stock and barrel or not at all. Funny words, what the crowd shouted. Hosanna. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Andy is a very common name in this church. Anna, not quite so common. But are there any Annas out there this morning? Just the one. I thought you might be here as well. Yes. But it's not that. It's Hosanna. She's the one sitting over there. No, it means save now. Implicit is on your bikes, you Romans. This is it. But it was also just a cry of joy and exhilaration akin to hallelujah. Chelsea have just scored. Someone in this church believes in miracles. <laughs> no, make way. Jesus Christ is king. An earthly king in the here and now, most of the crowd would have been thinking. But Hosanna. God has a bigger plan for this king, the salvation of all who will put their trust in him, and finally, eventually, Jesus, the actual ruler of all that there is. Funny thing, religion. The Pharisees were steeped in it, but as with so much of it, there was no room for Jesus. In Luke's account, they cannot stand what's happening with Passover approaching, so try to get Jesus to shut the disciples up. Jesus says if they shut up, inanimate creation would shout the truth about him. On Radio 2 recently, someone was questioning the behavior. Are these daffodils, by the way? Yeah, okay. I don't want to make a mistake. On Radio 2 recently, someone was questioning the behavior of the spring-blooming daffodils. Why, whichever way they were planted, did they peer away from the fence away from the wall toward the center of the garden. They're programmed to lean toward the light, came the learned response. And who programmed them, the world's most famous scientist asked himself. No one? No, the one riding into Jerusalem on the back of an erstwhile untamed bucking bronco. It was him. He was there in the whole designing process. King of creation. Somebody said to me between the services, how much more faith you need to be an atheist actually than to follow Jesus. Because we're all 
programs toward the light. So however much Satan manages to muck the process up, we're all programmed to reach toward the light. Back to that in a moment. Nothing funny in Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Luke 19, 41 to 44. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you even you had only known on the day would, that would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you on every side. They'll dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Amid all the praise of the moment, Jesus weeps. He knows in his heart that in a short time these people will turn their backs on him, betray him, deny him, crucify him. And he knows what will happen to his own people, the Jews, not long afterwards in Jerusalem. All the paradox of Palm Sunday is tearing him, King of kings and Lord of lords, and the crucified one. This crowd with their hosannas and what they'll be shouting next week. These his people, this city, God's chosen city, all but destroyed in a few decades' time. How do we view people without Jesus Christ in their lives as Savior and Lord? Different but perfectly happy, most of them seem. We believe in freedom of belief, surely. Jesus came on a donkey, not a war horse. But how often in the last week or month have we wept over those that we know without Jesus in their lives? People close to us, family, work colleagues, whoever, and prayed for them as though it really matters. And it does. As with Jesus, a time to weep for them, a time to pray for them, and a time to speak the good news to them. Sometimes family members, friends, and work and play colleagues seem to live in a completely different world to us Christians, with other agendas, other ambitions, certainly other saviors when life gets difficult, other everything. Sometimes we seem in a tiny minority, sidelined, irrelevant. Jesus the same, sidelined, irrelevant. But remember those daffodils, programmed to lean toward the light. We're all God's creatures, whether we've come to faith in Jesus yet or not. And God, our creator, programmed us not to be robots, but for all of us to have leaning toward the light, however much God's enemy tries to wreck his plan. I'm into a book at the moment by Daniel Strange called Making Faith Magnetic. In it, he explores five ways in which all of we humans search for the light. All of us. And because of this, we as Christians are not a tiny minority, sidelined and irrelevant. There are huge bridges into the lives of those who don't seem to have any time for Jesus the Lord and King, Jesus the Crucified. Jesus, the risen one. And very briefly, those five bridges or those five entrances into the lives who as yet do not know Jesus are as follows. Number one, 
totality, a way to connect. Is there a way to connect? What is my relationship with the rest of reality? And what does that relationship mean for my identity, individuality, and my significance? How is it that I'm both part and a part, a speck and special, nothing and noble? These are the questions to which we keep returning. Number two, norm, a way to live. Is there a way to live? What is it that we think about rules? I think completely different about rules when I'm driving through Bamwell and I'm held up for 10 minutes. <laughs> Somebody thought it with the uh, roadworks down here between Locking and Weston. Somebody moved out, like, was it Friday night? because the lights have been uh, red long enough and moved out and overtook a load on our side and went out because he thought they'd stop the other end. Fortunately for him, they had, although our light was still red. We have got all sorts of attitudes to rules, but is there a way to live? Number two. Number three, deliverance, a way out. We know there's something not right with the world. The problems of brokenness, wrongdoing, suffering and death constantly confront us. Future better? Past? A paradise lost? Is there a way out? Number four, destiny, a way to control. I'm not going to read the whole book, don't get alarmed. The camera focuses on a teenage girl standing on the stage waiting for the backing track to start. Her grandparents wait nervously in the wings. The viewer has already seen a little video montage of the girl filmed at her home, accompanied by mournful tinkling piano music in a minor key. She's come from a tough background and she's had a tough year, but she's strong. Swelling orchestral music comes now and changes to the major key. And she's determined to make it and make a new life for herself in the process. She's been told that she has a gift to share with the world and she mustn't waste it. There have been so many obstacles to overcome. Life has been against her. But here she is now on this stage. This is her chance. This is her moment. This is when it all changes. Why have you entered, wanna be a star, darling, says one of the judges, chewing gum vociferously. Everything in my life has been leading to this, says our girl in a whisper. She pauses. I think I'm meant to be here. Another pause. I know I'm meant to be here. Cut to the audience who have gone silent with a camera picking up a woman, clutching a partner and mouthing silently to him. Oh, bless. The music starts and our girl puts a microphone to her mouth. 30 seconds later, loud buzzers go off. It obviously wasn't meant to be. So are we active players in this world? Or are we merely avatars moving under the thumbs of someone or something else? We feel like it's both, but how can that be? Those are the questions jostling around this bridge this magnetic point, destiny. 
And number five, a higher power, a way beyond. Is there a way beyond the realm of our normal experience? A way to connect with someone or something higher than ourselves? Another word for this is transcendence. Secular people ask this as much as religious people. It's not just world religions or occult practices, horoscopes, Ouija boards and mediums. It could be champing. And like a lot of readers of this book, I had to look up what that meant. Champing means people who like camping, but there's something about not just camping in the open air, but going and staying in uh, perhaps a disused church building that's not used for that anymore. And they can go and camp in a church building. Why do they want to go and camp in a church building? Because we're all daffodils. And somewhere inside of all of us, every non-Christian member of our family, every non-Christian colleague, all of those people we see who've got no time for Jesus over this Easter time, they are programmed not to be robots, but to lean toward the lights. And we share that. And we can't point the finger too much, can we? Because all of those bridges made me very very, very guilty about various things to do with my life, where sometimes, especially in retirement, there may seem no purpose on all these sorts of things. And uh, because we all share that, we all share that leaning toward the lights. Last Wednesday night, without giving any names, I've been told not to do that at all. Last Wednesday night, I went to play football 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock and went to the pub afterwards as I started to do. And uh, I prayed going over that this would be different this night, especially trying to prepare this talk. And uh, some of these things would begin to take place in my life. It wouldn't all be theory. Well, I got there, and just after we stopped playing football at 10 o'clock, it actually stopped raining. And uh, this colleague of mine, I used to work with him, and he, he started to talk about his mother having died last year and what a gap that had left in his life. And he was going to do a pilgrimage where she came from, although he wasn't a religious person at all. And he went on about this, and uh, when we were up at the pub, he just continued telling me all about that great gap in his life since his mother died. And I wanted to get in there but I haven't yet, but it was like he'd almost been reading this book and that conversation was ready to be had. So I'd ask you to pray as we pray for our own lives in, in, in respect, not to, 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 for this to be theory, but this to be practice and we will see lives changed of those that are close to us. I do highly, in closing, recommend this book I'm about to read it through again more slowly, make notes and pray that I can, as Jesus did, put things into practice. Make use of the bridges into the lives of whoever he leads us to. Fellow creatures of God with hearts leaning toward the light. Weeping and witnessing. Jesus Christ, the one who makes sense of humankind's deepest questions and longings. King of kings and Lord of lords, but a donkey rider. Lock, stock, and barrel. 
or not at all. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.